Welcome to Search Talk Live with search engine optimization and marketing experts, Robert O'Haver and Matt Weber. Powered by the Robert Palmer family of companies. All right, welcome back to the show. We had a little technical difficulty, so we're running a little behind. Uh, I want to welcome with... Uh, Co-hosting with me on the show today is Matt Weber. Matt, how are you? I'm doing great, man. It's always good to have an enthusiastic crowd in the studio, too, when we have technical <laughs> difficulties. Right. Breaks the stress a little bit. Right. Those of you that are listening uh, for the first time, Search Talk Live is a digital marketing podcast. We talk about everything to do with digital marketing. And we talk social, um, SEO, uh, content marketing. Uh, it's converted. Yeah, paid advertising, and uh, today we're going to be talking about conversion optimization, one of my favorite subjects. Um, today with us is John McDonald. John, uh, he is the founder of The Good, and I want to welcome you to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, it's great. Um, now, why don't you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and, and your background? Sure. So again, my name is John McDonald. I'm the CEO and founder of The Good. The Good is a conversion rate optimization firm. So what that means is we help brands to convert more of their existing website traffic into customers. And how we do that is through data science. We help them track every click and movement on their site and in a uh, aggregate way so there's no privacy concerns. And we help utilize that data to understand why people are dropping off, where they're dropping off in the funnel, and how that can be resolved. This is going to be great because the basic principle is here for a lot of folks, they can make more money yeah. by getting more juice out of the oranges they already have than going to the trouble of buying more oranges. And that's really what today's show is about, is getting more results out of the audience you already have. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. Uh, I think a lot of people shoehorn this industry into one metric, and that's conversion rate, because obviously we're conversion rate optimization is the name of the industry. But there are so many metrics that we want to take a look at improving, and uh, one of them is ROAS, right? Return on ad spend. Mm -hmm. And so there are so many people who are driving tons of qualified traffic to their site, but that traffic just doesn't convert. And thus, the return on investment from all of that hard-earned uh, investment on driving traffic just is lost. Yeah. So let's dive into it. I mean, as why don't you give us the the high level exactly? You know, you approach a site. What are you What are you looking for? Well, the first thing is, is we want to make sure that the brand is tracking the right information. So there are really four key pieces of data that they should be looking at. Uh, the first is analytics. And of course, most sites have Google Analytics installed. But, you know, let's be honest here. Google Analytics is free, or at least they offer a free version, which is most popular, because they're trying to sell more ads, right? So the idea behind this is you really should be setting up specific dashboards to help you understand how people are engaging with your site in analytics. Um, so it's not just out of the box. You really want to be looking at the paths people are taking through your site and search terms. And there's just so many small things you can get out of Google Analytics as a free yeah. tool if you spend a little bit of extra effort there. The second piece of data that we look at is uh, heat mapping. So we want to look at 
not just where mouse movement happens on a site, but also, you know, uh, scroll mapping, how far down every page are people scrolling or click tracking, right? Click mapping, where are people clicking on every page? Um, these things kind of help us understand what data people are engaging with or what content they're engaging with on a page, not just uh, what pages they're visiting. The third piece of data is user testing. Now, this is where you would send people who match your ideal customer profile to your site and you ask them to complete some tasks on your site while you record their screen and their audio. And really what we're looking for here is similarities amongst all of the videos. Uh, we're looking for what people continue to have problems with and, and what they're thinking about. Now what this really gets you is the why behind the what people are doing. So analytics and heat mapping type of data can really tell you what people are doing. User testing is gonna tell you what they're thinking and why they're taking those actions or not taking those actions. And then the last one is AB or multivariate testing. So this is where you now understand what people are doing and why they're doing it. And you form hypotheses around how you might be able to change those situations that you're looking to, to change and improve. Mm -hmm. And AB testing is the best way to gather data on whether or not your changes are going to be effective. Now, let's be clear, too, for the listeners. You're not just talking mobile or you're not just talking desktop. You're talking both, uh, in most cases, probably a lot more mobile than it would be desktop, right? Oh, for sure. You really want to be testing both. Uh, you know, Obviously, the majority of traffic these days is done via mobile, but the majority of purchases are still done on desktop, especially as you have larger priced items. Uh, that scale starts increasing pretty quickly. So you definitely want to check out both desktop and mobile. John, your mantra is reduce friction, don't create friction. What are the most common three ways you see that an average e-commerce website creates friction? Well, I think the first thing is, is that most e-commerce site owners have a really hard time reading the label from inside the jar. Now, what I want to mean by that is that as a site owner or an e-commerce manager, you are on your site every single day. So you know what your products are, how they're organized, how to navigate around your site, but you don't really have empathy for people who are new and coming to the site. And I think that's the first friction point is that most people don't really understand how to uh, see your website under a, a fresh set of eyes. And that's really what collecting all this data is going to bring to the table. Uh, the, the second thing is uh, that uh, a lot of brands will do pop-up emails. And what I mean by that is how many times have you been to a site and you start scrolling, all of a sudden there's a pop-up asking you to sign up for an email. Now, there may be a discount attached or something of that sort. But look, if I could remove a couple of things from the Internet, the pop-ups would be number one. <laughs> and... <laughs> The reason is, is that honestly, they don't convert. They really kill conversions. Now, here's the best way to think about this in terms of, again, having empathy for the consumer visiting your site. If you had a retail store and you wouldn't do something in your retail store, you should not do it on your website. Yeah. First thing is I walk into a retail store and a store associate jumps out in front of me as soon as I walk <laughs> in with a clipboard and says, give me your email address. I'm probably going to have one of two reactions and one of those is going to be pretty violent, right? <laughs> so think about that on your website, right? What kind of experience are you providing if you 
if somebody is intently looking at your content, they're trying to accomplish their tasks, and all of a sudden, you pop up and interrupt their flow. It's not a great experience. And um, I think, you know, I hear all the time, but John, you know, these pop-ups, they collect emails. And I really, you know, email is one of my highest converting channels. Look, I'm not discounting that. You should definitely be collecting emails. All I'm suggesting is do it in a humane way <laughs> and, and don't do it through pop-ups. Yeah, clients love them. But and so you developers asked for three, right? Yeah. yeah, you actually nailed three. Yes. Yeah, clients yeah. love the pop-ups well, and developers uh, love them. Yeah. Yeah, but users don't. I mean, it, right. I, I'm the same way. I mean, he, he, the analogy was spot on. I think that, you know, you walk into a store and a jack in a box jumps out and goes, give me your email or something. Yeah, well, you know? it's like when you walk into a store and as soon as you cross the threshold, they say, can I help you? You're yeah. like, whoa, dude, chill. I'm just yeah. here to look around. And some sites kind of do that. John, on your first point, when you talk about website owners not having empathy for the uneducated, how do you mean that? Do you mean by the copy is not talking correctly to the user or do you mean that they've designed functionality that isn't conducive for a first-time visitor well i think that's both in, yeah. in terms of the copy how many times have you been to a site as well and within two seconds you have no idea what that company is selling right because they don't clearly communicate that right up front and instead they're trying to give you some marketing message about what their sales are or you know one particular product use case and a good example of that is we worked with a a major helmet manufacturer for a number of years and they had spent hundreds of thousands of dollars creating this great marketing video uh now they made ski helmets was one line of helmets that they made and uh they went up and they uh, took a bunch of famous skiers, hella skiing. That means they took them up in a helicopter on top of a mountain and then dropped them out of the helicopter and they could ski down the mountain. Now, it looks really cool. It sounds really cool. It definitely demonstrates how they use their helmets. But they took this video and they put it on their homepage as the main marketing message. The problem was so many people were coming to the site and they didn't know what they were looking at not only that, but they were distracted because now they're watching a cool video that they're like, oh man, these are this is really fun looking and what, what an adventure. And they forgot what they were there for. Mm -hmm. Now, I have a two and a half year old at home. The number of times that he's pulling at me while I'm trying to research something online, you know, it is, <laughs> I can't, I've lost count. You really need, only have a limited amount of time before somebody gets distracted and you need to give them that message really clearly. So content it very clearly plays into uh, not having empathy. Now, in terms of functionality, this goes back to even just uh, like the navigation, right? So if you think about it, if you know your products really, really well, you're going to design a navigation that you think is most organized. But as soon as a consumer who has no idea what products you're selling or how that's organized or what those terms mean that maybe you're using in your navigation for categories, then it becomes a bigger issue. And at that point, you know, that's where I think you should really be thinking about uh, functionality. Yeah, I would, I would definitely have to agree with you there. I mean, I've seen situations where there wasn't really a strategy around content as well. I mean, you see a lot with the e-commerce sites where they'll just write articles and write articles. But there's really no focus on articles that pertain to the products they offer. You, you know what I'm saying? So having a clear strategy there you know, makes a huge difference. 
Yeah, let's extend the topic right, for about sure. the, the videos, John, and tell me about photos on mm-hmm. e-commerce sites and what role does the quality of photos and photos in general play on e-commerce conversion? Well, I think it, it matters quite a bit. Now, we've worked with companies that have one single static photo, and we've worked with companies that do things like 360 images and, and go into more depth. Now, people are going to use visual is a way to search and understand your product before they're going to read anything. Now, uh, you know, we had as humans, we had the drawn picture before we had written word, right? So it's just nature, human nature to, to be drawn to images over text. And that's where people are going to do a lot of their research. So the first thing they're going to do is take a look at your photo. If it's not high quality, that's going to set the bar for what they think the quality of your product or your experience is going to be. In addition to that, you really want to be able to dive into the details with your images. What I mean by that is, of course, if you can have a 360 image, that's great. Uh, But if you can't, just have the ability to zoom in, uh, number one. And two, have some close-up shots. And there's some other things you should really be doing with images, and that is showing comparative images. What I mean by that is help them understand relative sizing. So we work Mm. with a backpack company. And one of the best things that we found tested extremely well on their site was to show different products next to the backpacks. So they would show an iPad and an iPhone and a bottle of water, um, things that people would normally put into the backpack. And you have a really good understanding in general of what size that is. Like most people, if you gave them a, a plastic bottle of water, they have an idea of how big that is you know, within some reason. Um, same thing with an iPhone, et cetera. So it really kind of helps you to uh, judge the relative sizing of the product. So it's, it's a great way to be thinking about other information you can deliver through those images. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, I mean, the job of a, a CRO or conversion rate optimization person is, you know, a lot like an SEO person. Yeah, you know, I mean, they are one, basically one and the same. Squeezing more results, fine tuning. Correct getting better all the time <clears throat> with the best practices with the know? best practices yeah and john your research has kind of landed anywhere between multiple photographs and single photographs as a general tendency definitely want to have multiple now you don't want to have so many that it becomes an issue but generally we find three to four high quality photos a mix of the product mixed in with one or two additional either sizing photos, as I talked about earlier, and or in-use photos. So especially like for the backpack example, having the backpack on somebody to see how it sits on their body uh, is really great. And then similarly, where did your research lead you on having the add to cart button or the buy button above the fold and not having the user scroll to get to the CTA? Well, I think anytime you can reduce the amount of work that somebody needs to do, the better you're going to be in terms of conversion. So putting the buy button front and center is always helpful. Now, the the only ch- problem that that might cause is if you are perhaps you know you you have a lot of hardcore information that's really detailed that is you know specifications or a product that you really need somebody to read more information about it before they're going to be ready to buy then of course you want them to be able to do that research and scroll a little bit to read before they end up buying 
What's your answer to the age-old question, what's a good e-commerce conversion rate to strive for? <laughs> Yeah, age old is right. I get this question multiple times a day. Uh, and I, I think the answer I have is probably not the most popular one that people want to hear. But uh, the best conversion rate is one that is always improving. Now, it's so common to compare yourself to competitors, right? And to say, oh, I saw online that so and so is getting a 5% conversion rate. Why am I not getting that? I saw an average was 2%. Look, here's the problem. Uh, it really doesn't matter what an average conversion rate is. It only matters what your conversion rate is. And what only matters about that conversion rate is that it is consistently improving over time. So week over week, month over month, year over year, that you're continuing to see gains. That's what's going to be most important. I'm so glad you answered it that way. There's the uh, case study, Robert. I don't know if you've ever read it, about uh, FTD. And FTD published this case study about three or four years ago that they had a conversion rate of like 65 to 70 percent and yet yeah. if you tried to benchmark yourself against that you're never going to make it because mm. if you think about FT, ftd what's your situation when you go to ftd you're probably under duress right probably right. you know some and then what do they sell it's like kind of like one thing what's your expectations very singular flowers yeah flowers <laughs> right so it's not like you're gonna be considering a lot of different options so of course they have a massively high conversion rate and that's not something the average e-commerce website should compare themselves to exactly uh, i couldn't agree with that more you wrote an article on a conversion technique that doesn't get a lot of attention and it was first of all i couldn't believe you wrote an article about it but it was awesome uh the second line in an address form because we all spend a lot of time and attention in reducing the friction of that final checkout process and you wrote an article that says, hey, you may not realize it, but the second line in an address form may be holding you back more than you think. Can you review that with us? Sure. Well, I'll start off by saying it's funny that, that you mentioned that because that is actually the number one visited article on our website. Huh. So that goes to show you how much of a challenge that is for consumers because they're even finding our website topic about it. And you know, people are searching on Google what does address line two mean? What do I put into address line two? It is a huge conversion issue. So a lot of card abandonment happens because people don't understand how to fill out the information. And it can be as simple as address line two. Now, if you're running an e-commerce site, you know what address line two means. You know how you want it to be used. But again, having that empathy for the consumer who's coming to your site that does not understand that, maybe they're not from the United States. Uh, where it's a lot less common internationally, or perhaps they're uh, not used to ordering online. Uh, there's a lot of things to be thinking about there that a normal consumer just does not understand. Um, so address line two, uh, you know, most people understand that when you put in your address, there's two fields. Um, the first one is always going to be, for instance, your house number and your street. But the second one could be for a suite or a care of, or it could be a number of different things. And that's where people get confused is what do I put in there? Is this required? And uh, I think that's what's really important is, is, again, to have the empathy for the consumer on that. So one of your suggestions was really clarifying the ghost text that's on that field. And then your suggestion, mm -hmm. if your platform makes it possible, is to let the user choose if that's necessary. Correct. Yep. So it's always great to say, you know, I need an address line too, or I have a suite number 
and then they can just click that and then the field appears. Yeah. Right. So reducing the fields that you need somebody to fill out or you're asking to fill out is always going to be a, a, a winner for increasing conversions. You should always have a minimum number of fields needed and no more. And so if you put out there that you have an address line two field, but you don't really need that information unless somebody knows what it's about and wants to give it to you, don't show the field automatically. Instead, say, you know, I have a suite number or care of or something. Give them some little hint and then make that a, a link they can click that will expand and show the form. That's going to be your best bet. You know, John, you ran by something really fast, and I want to make sure everybody grabs it. Don't have more fields than are absolutely necessary. Yep. And you can also, I mean, one thing I would wanted to add, and maybe you can tell me if it's right or not, but using hidden fields, like if you're trying to track what the source is, you know, what page they were on, stuff like that. Not not for attribution, but for the person getting receiving the lead source. Right. Yeah. You know, progressive profiling is, is generally what that's called, if I'm understanding you correctly, yes. where if you've asked somebody the information once, don't, you don't need to ask them that information again. Right. So, you know, the nice thing about this, too, is you can continue to build out a profile of your consumer in this way because you could, in theory, ask them for additional information um, each time they complete a form. Um, but if you already have their information, there's no need to ask for it again. There's actually this great tool uh, for Shopify sites called CartHook, C-A-R-T-H-O-O-K. Um, they're a great company. It's somewhat of a startup, but they've been in business for a handful of years. Now they have a tool that you can use that will help you to replace the Shopify checkout with one that's a little more optimized. Mm -hmm. In addition to that, it will allow you to do upsells after the person has already completed their checkout, but then it won't ask them for the information again. Instead, it will just modify the original order and add the items to that order and update the credit card amount to be charged. Wow, that's nice. So uh, it's a great tool, an example of why you should not uh, be asking for that information again because you just collected it. Now, most upsells, if you use the traditional Shopify cart that they, they provide, uh, if you want to do an upsell on the confirmation page, they'd have to go through the entire checkout process again. Mm -hmm. And yeah. that can be a bit of a problem uh, for conversions, obviously. Well, John, we got to take a break real quick. Um, we'll, we'll, before we, when we get back, we're going to ask, we, we do a little segment called Who Influences the Influencers? So we're going to ask you, who do you follow on social media or wherever it may be uh, that kind of influences you in the industry? All right. Great. We'll be right back. All right. We'll be right back. Today's episode of Search Talk Live is sponsored by... Are you currently an SEO agency or an agency that offers SEO services to your clients? Hey, this is Matt Weber, co-host of Search Talk Live and an agency owner myself. I've got some exciting news for you today. There's a platform called SEO Monitor that is built specifically to help digital agencies provide more effective SEO campaigns for your clients. Their offering understands the dynamics of running multiple SEO campaigns and also managing multiple clients with just one platform. One of the best features within the SEO Monitor platform is the Business Case Builder. This tool literally allows you to forecast the value of SEO services into well-known business KPIs that your customers will immediately understand. Add that to conversion data from analytics and AdWords, and you get powerful transparency for forecasting the impact you'll make on your client's business. 
SEO Monitor offers world-class support, so they're there when you need them. And they've got top-level service level agreements to make sure your agency is always able to deliver to your clients. If you want to find out more about the great tool at SEO Monitor, go to seomonitor.com slash STL. They've also got information about their Spark program, which is a $5,000 grant for SEO agencies or companies that are focused on SEO that have been in business for less than three years. So check it out. Visit searchmonitor.com slash STL today. That's searchmonitor.com slash STL. Directive is an industry-leading search marketing agency fully focused on helping B2B marketing teams increase their results. If you're looking to increase your marketing qualified leads and decrease your cost per acquisition for search engines, I'd highly recommend you take a look at their site. We've actually had their CEO, Garrett Marguth, on the show, and I can honestly say these guys are doing some great stuff. I hear that they even have their own analytics system that lets you correlate your SEO, PPC, or content efforts directly to revenue. If you're a B2B company and thinking about switching agencies, or if you're in-house and need help, I'd give Directive a look. Visit directiveconsulting.com or call 949-214-4024. Again, that's 949-214-4024. Again, that's directive at directiveconsulting.com. Get your questions in on Twitter. Type hashtag search talk live and your question. Now back to the show. All right. We are back, guys. We have a great conversation. We are geeking out with John McDonald of The Good. Um, we uh, Where were we at? Oh, yeah. Uh, who influences the influencer? So tell us, John, who influences you in the industry and, and, and why? Who do you follow? Yeah. Well, I might be a little bit biased, but I have to start here. But um, our blog at The Good is written by our entire team here. And I'm always learning something new from the team. Plug. And uh, we do. We, and so I know that might sound like a cop out, but I, I had to include it because I think it's no, uh, one of the better educational content uh, for conversion optimization. And then there's never a sales pitch on it. It's always just helpful educational content about what we're learning on nice. a regular basis. Um, in terms of who I follow on social um, and learn about great things, uh, VWO or Visual Website Optimizer is a great one. Um, they are a conversion optimization tool and platform. You can do A-B testing, et cetera, through their tool, but they are always producing really great content, uh, really nice webinars. They have great articles up there, et cetera. So that's always a good one uh, I like to follow. Uh, a third would be a gentleman by the name of Neil Patel. Um, if you don't know who Neil is, he has been involved in some great optimization tool sets like Crazy Egg. Yeah. Um, Crazy Egg is a heat mapping tool that you can utilize. Uh, a lot of our clients utilize it. Um, but that is a great tool set um, to um, to be checking out. And the, he always is producing some great educational content as well. That's a good one. Yeah. There used to be a conference on conversion rate optimization that I went to for a couple of years. And I don't know that it's still around. It was dedicated two days, might have been three days, to 100% conversion rate optimization. Wow. Mm. I don't know. 
Yeah, there are a few out there right now that, that do pretty well. Uh, there's one that's called CXL Live, um, Conversion XL Live. Conversion XL is a firm similar to the good that does conversion rate optimization. I don't know if they're still doing the events or not, um, but there's, uh, there's several of them out there right now. Well, let's talk about some uh, more techniques, and let's get into the nitty-gritty, because you also wrote an article about a pretty interesting topic that goes, I think, outside of most folks' radar, and that's the footer of a website. And you actually think the footer is a missed opportunity for conversion rate optimization. Can you tell us about that? Well, I think it's missed because most people overlook it, right? They, they think that, hey, the footer is just that place where I store a whole bunch of extra links and store contact information. But the biggest problem is, is most people overlook it. Now, here's our thought process on this. If somebody has taken the time to read all the content on your page and scroll all the way to the bottom, and you don't give them a way to convert in that footer, you are missing a huge opportunity. Now, what do I mean by convert? Just allow them to push themselves further down the funnel. So there should be your, your product navigation at a minimum should be in your footer. There are so many times that the footer is missing the product navigation. And instead, it's all information about the company and your mission and all these other things, but they forget to include the product information there. So really quickly, that's the first thing. The second thing is make sure your contact information is in the footer and that it's in the bottom right-hand corner. Now, it seems obvious. I shouldn't really have to state that, but most people forget to include two things or just neglect. They just don't. They don't include an email address where they can be reached for general information or customer support, and they don't include an address and a phone number. Now, you need all three of those, and it's really important because the footer can really increase the trust level of your site. So just having a, uh, a footer that includes a physical address lets people know that your e-commerce store is legit. And what I mean by legit is that it's not just fly by night, that you're not working out of your parents' basement somewhere randomly and, and going to steal credit card information. They want to know that you're a real physical business and having an address on there is really helpful for that. Now, people aren't going to show up right at your door. It can be a PO box. It could be whatever. They just want to know that you have a physical address set up that you're a real business. And the second thing is with a phone number, there are a segment of people who would rather pick up the phone and call. And I think that's really important that it's often overlooked. So making sure you have a phone number on there, even if you use an answering service. Uh, there's tons of answering services out there that are really cheap on a monthly basis that will pick up the phone, take a message for you, and just have a live human answering your phone. Uh, I think that's really important to, to look into and, and have available. Um, other things you can do in the footer is email list signup. Remember I talked about how I would, would eliminate pop-ups for right. emails from the internet? This is where an easy win of where your email signup should go. Um, because if people want to stay in touch and they're down in your footer, that's a place they are going to convert. So um, those are three quick things that you could do in your footer that will help improve conversions pretty, pretty easily. That's, I mean, yeah, that's, that's, I would say that's definitely the appropriate place to put the, the newsletter stuff. Yeah. And probably the last place that a lot of designers and developers look for conversion opportunities is the footer. Yeah. Well, let's talk about one of the bigger ones, though. It's reviews. And, John, reviews torment e-commerce site owners. <laughs> what can e-commerce site owners do to maximize the potential of reviews? Or do you think that reviews 
don't play a role in e-commerce conversion? I think they play a huge role. Yeah. And it's for two reasons. One is the social proof that it provides. We consider reviews and testimonials and all that to be wrapped into a category we call social proof. Now, what that means is it's a it's letting lending credibility to your site, right? Uh, and two, it's helping people to do their research. And so what I mean by that is that consumers are going to go to product reviews and consumer comments and read through that to get their questions answered. And also, we've done a ton of testing on this and, and surveying, and what we found is that visitors to your website are going to trust what those reviews say over what your, your product description says. And that's because it's consumer to consumer, not a business speaking at them. And so really what's important here is to optimize for a few things in here. One is to ask the right questions when you're getting reviews. Instead of just asking a generic one question, ask two or three questions. How was the sizing, for instance? This is the number one thing we find in reviews that, that other consumers are looking for when they're reading reviews. They don't care about the stars that much. As long as it's three, three and a half stars or more, they're fine. What they're really looking for here is, does that shirt I'm buying run large? Does it run smaller? What size should I get? How about those shoes I want? I'm normally a seven. Does the seven mean I need to buy an eight here or a six, or is it true to size? Right. So that's where they're trying to get that type of information. They will disregard the things like, hey, when I got it, the package was ripped or, you know, uh, the box came damaged. They understand that those things are, are out of the control of the store in most instances. Now, the best thing you can do with reviews is hop in and address any concerns that are on the reviews straight on. Don't delete them. Address them. Well, because sir. then it shows that you care and that you will respond and take care of any challenges that consumers have. And that means much more to the person reading the reviews than what the consumer is complaining about. You know, and simply, too, I see a lot of mistakes of, or I wouldn't know if it was a mistake, but people just left them, leave them unanswered, you know. Worst thing. Worst thing than a is. negative Absolutely. review. Yeah. Yeah. It's really an indicator of your commitment to your customer service. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, it's almost uh, a bigger issue if you have no negative reviews, because then they're not going to be trustworthy. Yeah, fake. <laughs> yeah. So how does an e-commerce site owner recruit reviews? Well, there's some great tool sets out there, but there's a couple of places that you should be doing this. Um, now, I'll start with a mistake first. Most companies that utilize a lot of the review platforms that are out there, the problem that they have is they put a, a button on the product detail page that says leave a review now that's opening themselves up to a couple of issues one it immediately reduces trust of the quality of the reviews because anybody can come to the page and click that button and write a review two is that you're opening yourselves up to having to moderate all of these reviews because even your competitors can come and start leaving negative reviews on your page so Take that button off because there's no positive that comes from that button. You will not get additional reviews by having that button, at least not legitimate ones. Uh, nobody, if you ever think about any time you've ever bought a product, have you ever just gone back to that product detail page, clicked that button, and left a review? You had to be prompted in some other way. I don't know about you, but I don't have time to go back to every product I buy and look at the product detail page and then leave a review. Yeah, It just doesn't happen. So really what you want to do is have a great post-purchase follow-up campaign. Now, 
they're really, uh, and I have a, a great article on uh, our website at thegood.com about this. If you just type in the search box post-purchase, you'll see it. But really, there are five emails that you should be sending after somebody completes a purchase. And two of those are going to be centered around reviews. And so if you think about that, two-fifths of the follow-up emails should be reviews. And the fifth of those emails is going to be just adding them to your normal marketing email list. So really it's half of the emails are going to be about reviews because that's two of the four transactional emails. Mm -hmm. So, you know, really want to make sure that you're following up in that way. And, um, and then also making it easy. So one of the things you can do, and there are plenty of, of review platforms out there. Uh, one that I really like a lot is called shopper approved. Now, the reason I like shopper approved is twofold. One, the only way that you can leave a review uh, using Shopper Approved is if you've actually purchased the product. So you know they're legit. Now, also what that means is that people like Google and those type of services that want verified reviews, will they love when you use Shopper Approved. Nice. Now, what they do is they send out an email and they only ask for a star rating to start. So start really easy. Just let the person click on the star rating and then that logs it and then it has follow-up questions that it will ask. That's really what's helpful is because you're getting people to take that first step without overwhelming them with a big form of questions. Yeah. So it's it, that works extremely well. Can a product have too many reviews or too many good reviews? I think if you only have five-star reviews and you have hundreds of them, that there's a problem there. Most brands would say, I'd love to only have five-star reviews. Yeah, but that really means to a consumer that you're deleting the negative reviews because you're always going to get that one bozo out there on the internet who complains about something that's not really relevant and everyone knows it. And so they're, they understand that you can't have perfect reviews. And that's really where responding to those negative ones is going to be really helpful. So I almost trust now, I do this for a living, right? But I, I trust reviews that have four or four and a half stars way more than I trust reviews that only have five stars. I think someone's going to write a coffee book, and I'll give you this idea, Robert. You can have it. Uh, that is just excerpts from Amazon reviews because some of them are so <laughs> darn entertaining sometimes. Yeah. Um, someone's going to go through and just you know, excerpt the best ones and just create a coffee table book out of it. Yeah. Definitely. You should definitely do that. I would buy it. <laughs> now, you know, if we were going earlier, you had mentioned, you know, it's not just about on page. I mean, you, you're, your company does, you know, email optimization, I would imagine, right? Uh, to no? some degree, when it's related to conversions, yes. Right. That's what I'm saying. So getting a, a better click through uh, from the from the messaging on the emails, those type of things. Um, yep, exactly. Yeah. John, you probably cringe. When you see a button on a website that says submit, what has your research led you to believe based on language of buttons? What tips can you provide? Well, I think that a call to action, any call to action needs to be explicitly clear of what you want them to do. So if you're looking to get them to sign up for an email list, it should say sign up. If you're looking to get them to add to cart, it should say add to cart. If you're getting them to fill out a form to contact you, it should say what your contact us or you know send your message, something of that sort. If it says submit, that's just honestly that's just being lazy. It's not telling the consumer what to do or what the action they are taking. 
And that's really what you want to do is use your call to actions to guide the consumer to the action you want them to take. We're getting down to the end. Some great stuff here, John. We got to sneak in one more question that a lot of people ask us about chatbots. Can chatbots improve conversion rates? Yes, they can when used appropriately. Now, what I mean by that is uh, a handful of things. They should always be in the bottom right-hand corner. That's where people look for them. So if you have that little floating chatbot icon, make sure it's in the bottom right-hand corner. That's just instinctively where people go. Don't make people think about it. Just put it there. The second thing is don't have it there unless it's manned. So it depends on the service you're using for that chatbot. There are some great ones like Drift that allow you to do some automated flows. Uh, that might be okay. However, if you have ones that require somebody to be there, make sure you have the settings set so that it does not show the chatbot unless it's being manned. I am so glad you said that. I, I equate an unmanned bot to, you know, you go to a phone prompt and you're like, press one for this, press five for this, press three for this. Mm -hmm. press, you know, it's the same thing. You know, or you just, walk up to the fast food counter and nobody's there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that is probably the single yeah. most common mistake I think I see in e-commerce sites is yeah. chatbots or chat functionality that isn't well thought out yeah. on that. Well, I think it's that time, Matt. It, ah, it's that time for Believe It or Leave It. So, John, we're going to give you three statements we found on the Internet about conversion rate optimization. Some of them from your peers, by the way. And we're going to ask you whether hey, this be fun. Yeah, we're going <laughs> to ask you whether our audience should believe it or leave it. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. All right. Number one, you should never make any of the buttons on your website red because red means stop. Leave it. Button color does not matter for conversions. Wow. Wow. Okay, and you've done some ABs on that. I imagine <laughs> we've done a lot of testing on it. I could go into this for hours, but the number one thing that people will tell you to test when you start AB testing is button colors. Honestly, it's, uh, it, it's not helpful. Uh, really what you should do is make sure that the button has some contrast for the page. That's really it. Full yeah. stop. You don't have to worry about it. Anything other than that. Nice. nice. All right. Number two, you should not copy and paste descriptions of products from the manufacturer's website. Leave it times a hundred. Oh, sorry. Believe it times a hundred. That is a, that is so accurate. It's the number one mistake on product descriptions that we see is that brands will just uh, copy their data from the print catalog and not format it for the internet or format it into bullet points for how people are reading. Um, I'm a firm believer that if websites were originally started by sales teams instead of marketing teams, we would have a lot more clear content around products uh, on the website. Very well said. Number three, rotating headers always increase e-commerce website conversion rates. Oh, leave it. Now, uh, I said there were two things I would eliminate from the Internet, and one of them would be pop-ups. The second is rotating banners. Now, um, I've given talks for an hour on just on rotating banners and how damaging they can be to your website. Um, they're right up there with, uh, with email pop-ups. Again, think about if you were trying to read a message in a store and it just the message just kept moving, how frustrating that would be. Now, Notre Dame actually did a ton of research on this uh, mm -hmm. a few years back, and what they found was that less than 1% of all visitors would actually click on the first item of a rotating banner. 
And then it dropped, the percentage dropped dramatically for the second, third, fourth, fifth, et cetera. Hmm. So less than, it's the most important area of your website, right? Is that, is that initial header right there, right? And uh, it's where you should be communicating your value proposition and making sure people understand they're in the right place as quickly and easily as possible. And instead, you're, start, you're trying to show multiple messages and uh, you're scrolling them by to the point before somebody can finish reading them often or even if they go to click the button and it scrolls right by. That's an extremely frustrating experience. And, and again, this goes back to where we started the, the chat today around empathy, right? Yeah. Having empathy for the consumer who, who has to deal with that as opposed to the marketing team that loves these rotating banners because they can get multiple messages out there very quickly. Nice. I believe you just generated a lot of groans from the audience on that, <laughs> seriously. Because, Robert, how many e-commerce themes still have rotating headers in them? Oh. It's like got to be 40%, 30% that you can still out there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so we got a bonus question for you. Normally you only do three, but I have a bonus question for you. Now, live chat always increases e-commerce website conversion rates. Uh, well, I think based on what we talked about, I would say believe it, but also I think it needs to be done correctly, yeah. right? So just putting it on your site is not going to help. If you do it correctly, man it so that you're answering yeah. questions um, and actually taking some care with it and treating it as if it was somebody calling you on the phone, mm -hmm. then I 100% believe it and I've seen it work um, very, very well. Yeah, I'd have to agree with you. I've seen where uh, proactive chat, where... You know, if you set up certain rules for a chat uh, website, and then they hit those rules, and then it pops up and say, hey, you have a question or something like that. Um, I've seen, I mean, after maybe they're on the site for a minute or longer, mm -hmm. I've seen that uh, do really well. I'm feeling good about the show. I think we just help people increase their conversion rates. Yeah, yeah, I think so. All right. Well, let's do the Search Talk Live tattoo. All right, John. Great show. Great advice. Uh, it's going to be hard for you to pick the best advice here, but... What's your most succinct, most powerful conversion rate optimization tip that is tattooable that we can give our audience? Great question, by the way. Let's see. I think it would be what gets measured gets improved. Oh, okay, now you're, you're quoting someone, but that is a fantastic quote. What gets measured gets improved. Commit, so commit yourself to analytics. Yeah. Commit yourself to the data. Yeah. 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 Exactly. All right. Data-backed decisions is the way to go. Well, I have really enjoyed you being on the show. I'm sorry we're a little great late stuff. there. Uh, great information for people. I hope that it helps a lot of people, and I want to thank you for being on the show. Maybe we can have you come back on an, another episode. Yeah, I'd be I'd be more than happy to. Thank you guys for having me as well. I enjoyed myself today. Hopefully, Excellent. you found some uh, have some help. Excellent. Definitely. Yeah. So, guys, if you have questions, you want to ask. Uh, um, John, you can email me and I'll email him or vice versa. John, if they want to get a hold of you, like on social media or something, how can they do that? Well, uh, feel free to uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or even better is just shoot me an email. I try to re read and respond to every email that is sent to me. Uh, and I can do that at John, J-O-N, at thegood.com. So J-O-N at T-H-E. G-O-O-D dot com. It's my personal email. Happy to respond. Let me know if you have any questions. Wow. You know, we have thousands of listeners. You might wish you didn't give us <laughs> your email address. <laughs> Not a problem. <laughs> and then uh, your website, obviously, is thegood.com, right? Correct. All right. So go check out his site, guys. I want to thank you again for listening to the show. We'll be back next week. 
Uh, be sure and if you have questions during the show, we are live, so you can do hashtag Search Talk Live. And uh, if we are, if it's after the show when you do the question, we'll still answer the question because I always monitor that quite a bit. Uh, you can also, if you want to be a guest on the show, if you've got what it takes, you can send me an email, Robert at searchtalklive.com, and I'll be more than happy to uh, review your email and possibly get you on the show. Uh, I want to thank our sponsors. We've got a new sponsor, Hrefs. I'm sure you guys have heard of them. Uh, they're going to start their sponsorship next week. Uh, we've got uh, SEO Monitor and uh, Directive Consulting. So check those guys out. Uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Matt, oh, I'm sorry. Matt, did you want to say something? Thanks for listening, everybody. <laughs> Bye-bye. Search Talk Live is sponsored by the Robert Palmer family of companies. If you have questions for Search Talk Live or you're interested in being a guest or a sponsor of the show, email Robert at searchtalklive.com. That's searchtalklive.com.